Welcome to the SCG Church Young Adults Podcast, where we get to bring you sermons and content to help bring you closer to Jesus, develop your faith, and keep you up to date with everything young adults. Join us Sunday nights at 7 p.m. in the SCG Church Warehouse for our young adult service, or at our main campus services. We hope you enjoy. Uh, all right, let me tell you mine. Mine's a story. I... So I'm married to Carly. Um, for those of you who don't know, she was matching me. She was standing right there. She was, she was matching me. So um, I wore this first. Uh, I just want to state that. But anyways, um, so in our mm, second year, we only been married for like two and a half years, so <laughs> it felt like forever. Um, but second year of marriage, um, I was being a great husband, a good Christian husband. I was going to Chick-fil-A. We were getting, I was getting us dinner and everything like that. I was getting the holy food. And as I was, so I drove home and whatever, you know, she got the tenders, I got the nugs, more of a nug type of guy than a tender type of guy. Um, not important to the story, but uh, relatively, I got home and I put, the bag on the, I put the bag on the table and we started breaking it out and stuff like that. And, and uh, I'm not paying attention, I just hear the, I started to hear the bag rustle and, um, and all of a sudden I hear, ah. And I was like, oh, no, like any girl who makes that noise ever, you know, it's like, ah, it's probably not good. And so I, I immediately look up and I go, what's wrong? And she's like, they forgot my sauce. And I said, in my head, I go, okay, just, just eat it. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, okay, they, you forgot your sauce. That's a bummer. Oh, well, like eat it. The day still goes on. No, 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 no. She instantly thought that the that the chicken tenders that she got were like poisonous for how much she did not want to eat them. She's like, I'm not eating these things unless I have sauce. I will never eat these things unless I have sauce. And it got to the point where I was like, why are you being like this? Like, why are you being so ridiculous? Like, it's just sauce. Just eat the tenders. It's fine. And she's like, no, I'm not eating this. Super stubborn in this, not going away. And I go, hey, um, that sounds like a first world problem. I said, there are people out there that would love to eat these chicken tenders from Chick-fil-A right now, um, but you're complaining about sauce. And then she goes on and has the audacity to say, I think, she's no, and I think, you need to go back and get me my sauce. And I said, I'm not driving all the way to Chick-fil-A to get sauce, to which then I come back and my Chick-fil-A is cold. And for anyone who's had Chick-fil-A, eating cold Chick-fil-A blows. Like, it's not fun. It sucks. And so... I was, we were going back and forth. I was like, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. 10 minutes later, I'm driving to Chick-fil-A and, <laughs> and I get her her sauce and I come back and I give her her sauce and she says, thank you. And I said, you're forgiven. Like, <laughs> and, and I walk away and I go sit in the corner eating my cold Chick-fil-A because I was still upset at the time. The Lord forgave her, but I didn't at the moment. Um, and then eventually, yeah, of course, I, I forgave her. Ultimately, I label this argument. So this is like the silliest, but our like most intense argument we've ever had in our entire marriage, and I call it the sauce argument because it was the most interesting argument I ever had in my entire life. But I tell you the story to help you understand that just three sauces, yes, three Chick-fil-A sauces disrupted our unity and peace with one another, and it made us get irrational, as well as selfish, because of the fact that we wanted to do our own thing. She wanted the sauce. I didn't want to go back and get you the sauce. 
And ultimately, this turned into a very selfish argument that destroyed the peace and unity that we had with one another 20 minutes prior. Now, we have to remember that as a church, we do the same thing. We tend to have irrational arguments or maybe uh, disputable arguments over stuff that is not really going to go anywhere. And in fact, as believers, and the main point I want you to get today is don't let disputable arguments get in the way of your relationship with other believers. You see, I need you guys to understand something of why this even matters and why I'm even talking about it today. Why should it matter to God and why should it matter to us? It's because we're going to be jumping into Romans chapter 14, verse 1 through 7. So if you have your Bible, you can flip to it. I'm not going to read it yet, but you can start going there. And where we see Paul having to calm the believers over disputable arguments, stuff that, hey, this is not really necessary, and reminding them why they need to be united and not divided. You see, Romans 14 is actually touching on a pretty big topic, actually. However, I do want to remind you, though, that this chapter, and even the next chapters to come that Matt will go on to talk about, is not so much teaching about doctrine, but is more so teaching about conduct, which I believe is super important in the Christian faith, that if you believe and you claim to be a Christian, your conduct in how the world views you as well as how other believers view you is super important, right? You can't just talk the talk, you also have to walk the walk. And that means that not only what we say, so that means that when we say we are Christians, we have to follow through with our belief. Now, this teaching is really written to believers thousands of years ago, thousands of years ago. And Paul was trying to coach these Orthodox Jews as well as new believers, which included Gentiles who have been Orthodox Jews and Gentiles have been separated for thousands of years. And he's trying to coach them into Christ, into the same worldview, and even the same practice, which is a very difficult moment that he's going through. And the Orthodox Jews were trying to bring uh, things that were in the Old Covenant into the lives of the new believers, to which Paul was setting the tone of what we hold. And I'm going to go on to explain this, um, which are open hand, which is disputable stuff, and closed hand, which is indisputable. And I'm going to go on and explain that later on, but I want you guys to get that picture for right now. Closed hand is indisputable, open hand is disputable, and that's basically the, the core doctrines are indisputable, and then there's other things that I'll go on to list later on that are, that are um, disputable. Now, what we have here is Romans chapter 14, verse 1 through 7. If you don't have a Bible... Um, I encourage you to start bringing one, or if you don't actually own one, uh, please let us know. We'll be happy to give you one. Um, start bringing your Bible. The more you get to know your Bible, the better you will be able to understand God's purpose and God's will for your life even, because you got to learn your phone better the more you used it, and the same is true for the Bible. And so Romans chapter 14, verse 1 through 7, it says this, Accept the ones whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat 
with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than than another, and another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God, and whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us live for ourselves alone, and none of us die for ourselves alone. So what's Paul saying here? Well, when it comes to people who are weak in their faith, uh, we need to be more welcoming of them. And this is, uh, tends to be people who are newer um, and quite, uh, and maybe don't understand certain concepts of the Christian faith yet. Now, now, here's the thing, though. Even though we need to be more welcoming, we also need to remember that not allowing, we need to remember that not allowing these disputable arguments to get in the way of our relationships with, with one another. You see, it's important, yes, we have conversations, but it's important to not let those conversations get rid of the, get in, get in front of, or get in the middle, actually, between other believers. Now, we see a couple of illustrations that Paul uses, um, but the one I'm going to focus on is the one we see, and that's all about meat. Um, now, this illustration does not hold any significance to us today, to be honest, because we, most of us here eat meat all the time, unless uh, you're vegetarian or, I guess, pescatarian, still you kind of eat meat, but for the early Christian, this was a big deal, though, super big deal, especially to Orthodox Jews, especially to Jews who converted to Christianity. You see, mature Christians know, this is important, Christians who have an understanding of the faith, a foundation in the gospel, they know they can eat anything they wish because Jesus made all things clean, as found in Mark chapter 7, verse 19. And even Peter was given the specific lesson on this in his vision in Joppa and Acts chapter 10, verse 9. See, many Jews who became Christians had a hard time actually eating meat because of the fact, because of the dietary laws found in the law of Moses that they grew up with their whole entire life. They weren't supposed to eat pork, and so a lot of them who were Jewish and then converted to Christianity had a very difficult time going about this, especially the meat that came from a pagan temple. Normally, what would happen in pagan temples, they would uh, cut off a, a slice of meat and they would uh, sacrifice it as a burnt offering in, to their pagan god or whatever, and then they would take the rest of that meat and sell it on the market. Sometimes it would be labeled as like, oh, this was uh, sacrificed in this temple or whatever. But sometimes it wouldn't be, and so you would buy this meat unknowingly that it would have been sacrificed in a temple. Now, this was difficult, mainly for Orthodox Jews because of the dietary laws found in the Law of Moses, but also for Gentiles who maybe grew up uh, going to pagan temples and doing all these things because they were worried that, oh, maybe this could uh, shake my foundation of my faith and, and make me relapse back into going to pagan temples and worshiping pagan gods. See, however, those who have strong faith, though, and a strong foundation in the gospel knows that they are no longer bounded by the law or the legalism of Jewish law. 
You see, if someone is weak, though, they may not know that yet. They may not understand the concept of, hey, you can eat meat because you're not bounded by the Jewish law anymore. You can eat this, and it's okay. God said it's fine. Don't worry about it. And they may not know that yet, and it will take some time for them to fully kind of grasp and understand that idea. Now, I'm going to give you guys a visual example here. I'm going to play a little back and forth because uh, I think it's fun. And so uh, this visual uh, example is indisputable versus disputable. And you can throw it up on the slide. Um, so I have these circles. It's going to be great. And basically, these are things that are close-handed in the Christian faith. So, so like, like I was saying earlier, indisputable is close-handed. Core doctrines, right? Uh, Jesus is the only one who saves, right? And all this other stuff. The open-handed, right, is indisputable stuff that I'm going to get into. That means that there are disputable in the Christian world and things that are indisputable in the Christian world. So there's arguments on kind of both sides. But Paul is trying to blend new believers in Christ and completed Jews because the Jews have normally not eaten pork, kind of what I was stating earlier. So anyways, I'm going to play a game. I have a few things I'm going to list off. I want you guys to kind of talk back to me, like yell. I guess you don't want to yell, but talk back to me, all right? So, number one. So, you're either going to say indisputable or disputable. So, that means disputable is up for debate. Indisputable, not up for debate whatsoever, to make it simple. Number one, people should only use one acceptable English translation in the Bible. Disputable, yeah. That's right. Unless you're using the message, then find a new version. Um, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Indisputable. I'll help you out with that one. Don't worry. Indisputable. Should Christians be a Calvinist or Arminian? Now, before you answer, for those of you who are new here and don't know what that means, Calvinism is basically predestined. That means God chose you. That means God's chosen whether you go to heaven or hell. And then Arminianism is uh, pretty much free will. Um, if you want to know more about this, Matt has a great podcast on it. Just go back, and he talks all about it. It's, he's, just a, he's such a great teacher. Um, but anyways, should Christians be a Calvinist or Arminian? Disputable. There should only be hymns for worship music. Disputable. Dang. Dang, you did not like that one. <laughs> I mean, it's disputable. We obviously did not sing hymns. Uh, we sang more upbeat songs, right? Worship leaders being barefoot. Disputable. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Here we go. Here we go. Christians should not get drunk. Indisputable. Now, let me be clear. Christians, obviously, are over, anyone who's over 21, obviously, the legal age to drink. You can have one to two beers, but you can't get drunk because the Bible calls us to be clear and sober-minded, and that even holds true for drugs as well. And so, we're called to be clear and sober-minded. We should not get drunk, and we should not be using drugs because, ultimately, it leaves you in a state of your mind being fogged, and then you make regretful decisions later on, either through actions or through your words or whatever it may be. So it's indisputable. Christians don't have to go to church. Christians don't have to go to church. 
it's disputable. Christians do have to go to church. <clears throat> they do. You're called to, actually. It's found in Hebrews. It's disputable. No, no, because of how I phrased the question. So I said Christians don't have to go to church, and so that's disputable. You do have to go to church. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I'll read it. You guys are fine. I promise. What you guys need to know is that you do need to go to church. Church is good for you. Anyways, let me read it for you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it actually says this. I don't have it up on the screen, so I'm going to read it for you. Not giving up meetings together as some are in habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What that means is that we are called to be going to church. One, because it's good for fellowship, and two, why wouldn't you? You can't do Christianity alone. It's always better to do Christianity in a group or with people. I mean, that's even why Jesus, I mean, I don't know if this is the reason why, but I like to believe so, um, that Jesus sent the disciples out in two because Christianity is always more fun when there's two people because you get to go back and forth, right? How Proverbs talk about iron sharpens iron. So it's good to do Christianity in a group, in a community, and a community holds you accountable, which is what we need. And a community also provides you mentorship, which is also what we all need. But yeah. Um... You should, you should date a guy who says, I'm going to guard your heart. <laughs> Disputable. Don't date that guy. That's like the same level of like, hey, God told me to come up to you because you're going to be my Proverbs 31 wife. And then it's like, this is the guy you don't want to go to. Christians should only take their Sabbath on Sunday disputable. I take mine on Friday. Um, that's my day off. Uh, Christians are not allowed to cuss. Indisputable. Christians are not allowed to cuss. You should not be cussing, cursing of the likes. Um, it's found, if you want a biblical answer, it's found in James chapter 3, verse 9 through 11. It says this, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? What he's saying here is that we should not be the ones, we sh Christians should not be cussing, and plus, cussing doesn't even make you sound cool. I tell this to high schoolers all the time. Uh, by the way, I do high school ministry here um, at Seacoast, so uh, I tell high schoolers this all the time. It doesn't even make you sound cool, to be honest, and you shouldn't just cuss in general. Uh, I would suggest getting out of that habit, but yeah, uh, indisputable. Preachers should only use paper, not a digital screen to preach from. Disputable, obviously. I'm not using paper, I'm using a laptop, um, using technology, right? Christians should only date other Christians. Indisputable, right? Christians should not live with their significant other before marriage. This, this is a different one. This is, yeah, it's indisputable. Um, it's indisputable. If you have questions on that, you can text uh, at the end. I'll answer questions from the, from the discussion groups. Um, but yeah, but yeah, so thanks for playing my game, you guys, I appreciate it. But uh, the main thing that Paul is getting at is if both people, right, are walking with the Lord, strong and weak faith, in the, in the, with the Lord in the Word and carefully trying to grow as a body of believers, these quarrels amongst one another cannot be there. 
So mind you, right, these disputable ones should not be there. The important thing is that us as Christians need to understand that, yes, there are certain things that are disputable in our Christian world, but there are also things that are indisputable, and those are the things that are super important to remember. You see, it's okay to discuss disputed matters. It's totally fine to discuss all these things. That's why we have questions. That's why we've been, uh, that's why every single week at Young Adults, we have a number on your, on your discussion paper so that way you guys can ask questions because it's okay to talk about disputed matters. Um, obviously, to do so in a loving and truthful way with grace and love, that's super, super important, right? You don't want to be yelling. You should not be arguing. You should not be yelling at someone over disputed matters. And I want you to remember, right, don't let, disputed, don't let disputable arguments get in the way of your relationship with other believers, like I told you earlier, of a disputable matter between my wife and I when it came to the great sauce argument of 2021, uh, there are also important matters that we need to agree on as a body of believers. We need to agree on matters uh, such as the fact that Jesus is the only way to the Father, as it says in John 14, 6. Loving God and loving, and loving others, as Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. And the reality that we are sinners in need of a Savior. So, let me tell you about a indisputable thing that happened to Carly and I last Thursday. So, I took her, uh, we were on a date night, and um, we went down to the Irvine Spectrum. It's like our favorite place to live, because I used to live down there. And so, as we, were, as we got done with dinner, we were walking around up and down the mall, and um, as we were walking... This, this girl walks up to Carly and I, and she goes, hey, can you help me out with a question? I'm doing a survey for my class. And we're like, we didn't really want to, but we're like, sure, why not? It can't be that long. And as she's talking and stuff like that, she then starts to bring up God and theology. And normally when people do this on public streets, it's really like kind of goes one or two ways, but I'll get there. And she's talking, and she goes, have you heard of God the Father? And I said, yeah. She's like, Did you, have you ever heard of that there is also God the Mother or Mother God? And I was like, and Carly looks at me, because mind you, we're on date night, and she looks at me, and she goes, I, she literally sees in my head just me just cracking my knuckles, just getting ready. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to spend two hours with you, Right. And she goes, this is not, like, I don't want to be talking here on a date night. Like, I'm not doing this, right? And I go, okay, like, from what version? Which is super important, by the way. If you're ever talking to Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons, it's super, super important to ask them, what version are you reading from? Because Jehovah's Witnesses have their own version, and Mormons, obviously, they have the Book of Mormon. So it's super important to ask them, what version are they getting it from? And so I asked her, I said, well, what version? And uh, she was like, all versions. And I was like, I'm like, what? I was about to respond. I was about to go, like, I understand, like, the message, but, like, n- like not anything else. Like, you're saying King James has that? Like, like I didn't get to that point, though, because uh, my wife chimes in, and she goes, she goes, no, that's not, that's not true. Like, that's, like, that's unbiblical. 
And, she, and then I went on to ask her, and I said, uh, where are you finding this, like, in the Bible? Right? Common, normal question. And she goes, in Genesis, immediately, my wife chimes in, she goes, I just finished going through the book of Genesis, and not once did it mention God the mother or mother God or whatever, right? And uh, she goes, well, maybe you didn't read it properly. And then I went on and I said, and I said I was, I'm telling you, I could have went so much more, but my wife was just going in. And so I was about to go on and be like, hey, have you ever heard of Biola University? Have you ever heard of like William and Craig, Sean McDowell, J.P. Moreland? Like I was about to like go in. And then my wife chimes in again. She's like, well, what are you talking about? Like, where are you even finding this information? She's like, well, have you ever heard of the bride? And me and her both like, yeah, the bride represents the church. And she's like, no, actually in Revelations, it doesn't. It, it talks about Mother God, which I looked up for you guys. It, it represents the church. Um, but, um, and she's like, it represents Mother God. And Carly's like, and I was like, okay, here we go. Like, this is going to be, my wife chimes in again. She goes, nope, that's unbiblical, that's heresy, like, uh, that's not, like, you're reading this wrong, you took this out of context, and she's like, well, maybe, have you ever thought of, like, how you took it, like, maybe you took it out of context, and this girl, it's really sad, she's like 22, right, and Carly starts laughing, and she goes, no, you're being unbiblical, and then she turns away, and she kind of goes, you're being unbiblical, we're done, see you later, right, because I'm really not going to convince them. And uh, pretty much what happened was she then, as we're turning away, she goes, well, I hope one day you understand and actually read the Bible, like, in context. And my wife, without missing a beat, turns around, she goes, I hope one day you actually read the Bible for what it says. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like, I think, as we were walking away, I was like, oh, I think, uh, you might need to repent. Like, like that was, like, that was pretty brutal. Um, but the point is, right, is that that's a closed-hand debate. There is no mother God. There's no God the mother, and it turns out that she's in a cult. It's called the Mother of God cult. I was looking up. I was looking it up, and uh, I asked our, our number one cult ex- expert, Matt, over there, um, uh, and he's like, yeah, it's a cult. Um, and so pretty much... I, the thing is, right, is that that's a close-handed, indisputable argument to which you can defend. You call out for what she's claiming to be also another believer, and you call them out on it, and you go, no, that's indisputable, that is, um, that's heresy, and that's unbiblical. Clearly, they were wrong. And this is why also it's super important that you get to know your Bible and have an understanding of your Bible for when things like that happen. As Paul talks about in 1 Timothy, you need to be prepared in season and out of season. Meanwhile, if we were out of season, we were, we were doing date night. Did not expect to get talked about Mother God or whatever. But ultimately, I need to, so why does it matter to God and why should this matter to us? What's the point of all this? How do I live out my life with indisputable and disputable matters? That's a great question. See, I have a couple of applications that I'd like to challenge you guys with today. I want you to consider, uh, number one is this. Consider some preferences that you may need to reconsider. 
So are there beliefs that you spend some time arguing over and over, and you think back to yourself and you go, wow, I guess that's not the most important thing in the world, right? See, like I said, I'm in, I do high school ministry. I run the high school program here at, at SCG, and I wish I could tell you the number of times that I get questions on and things that don't even matter, drama or whatever it may be. Even if, like, or even if you only knew the numerous times that I complain about things that don't even matter to me, like when people, like, don't use their blinkers, I'm just like, you know, like, there's that thing that on the side of your steering wheel that helps you let other people know you're turning left or right. I'm sorry, that, that's you. Don't worry. You're forgiven. Um, but I want you to take time this week, actually, and consider some of the preferences that you may need to reconsider. Number two is consider someone whom you need to welcome in the faith. So, who may disagree with you? So, this is a person who may disagree with you about some things, but you can lock arms with, this, with that person and love God, love the church, and love others, and love others right along with them. Because there are churches and people on staff, kind of going back to the Calvinism and Arminianism debate, that believe one's either a Calvinist or one's either an Arminian. But ultimately, right, that's an open hand. But what they believe, and they believe strongly, are the closed hands, and so they're able to be united in what God calls the church to be doing, to be the salt and light of the earth, to go out and serve your community, to go out and serve your church, to help others, right? That's super important. Maybe you need to reach out to someone and show them love as your brother or sister in Christ, particularly if they are weak in the faith. You may even find out, actually, that through having a conversation with them, that you may be weak in your faith as well. See, it's important to understand kind of the stuff that we need to talk through with believers. There are some things that maybe some believers don't understand yet fully, and there are some things in which believers do understand. See, I don't, don't let disputable matters get in the way of your relationship with other believers. Don't allow those matters to ruin the effectiveness of the church. Hey, that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to ruin the effectiveness of the church by having you argue over stuff that ultimately is not helping. See, there's, he, he wants you. He, he wants the church to be divided. You see, but in a world that is divided, the church should be united, especially in today's world especially with the wars breaking out and chaos erupting all the time from what we see. As it says in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Put your arm around someone, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much um, just for all these awesome young adults in the room that have decided to come on a Sunday night. And so, Lord, I just pray that you please continue to be with them. 
Maybe for those who are new here, God, I pray that if they have any questions or, or maybe doubts, that they would ask those questions and doubts and seek out those answers. And I pray for those who have been Christians for all their life and are strong in the faith, that they would continue to be sympathetic, to be uh, mindful, to be like-minded, and to go out and to welcome those who may be weak in the faith. And, and even when it comes to disputable matters, that they would be able to understand and to, they can still talk about them, but in grace and truth and in love. And so, Father, I pray that you please help us to understand and help us to grow ultimately as we journey through the rest of this book of Romans. And I pray you please be with us today. Give us wisdom and courage in the discussion groups. And Lord, I just pray you, you always be with us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to the SCG Church Young Adults Podcast. For more information about our services, events, and ways to get involved, head on over to scgchurch.org. Thanks again for listening.